Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic start to their week. It's been kind of a weird one with the fallout of UFC 284. And everything that has come along with that, it's just been a wild week in the aftermath of all of that. Of course, this weekend, the UFC is back with UFC Vegas 69, the main event. Now, Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield. Now that Tyler Santos is out, very interesting fight at 125 pounds. We have Knuckle Mania for BKFC. I believe there's boxing this weekend as well. So if you're a combat sports fan, there is a lot to check out. Uh, We got some announcements from Bellator yesterday. They are returning to Hawaii in April, back with another double header. And a couple of title fights. We have Liz Carmouche versus Deanna Bennett, part two. That'll headline the first card. I believe it's April 21st. And then April 22nd, they come back again. With the Bantamweight Grand Prix finale, Rafion Stotts versus Patchy Mix for the interim Bantamweight title and the million dollars and a chance to fight Sergio Pettis for the undisputed title. Maybe later on this year, depending on when Sergio is ready to come back. Seems like he's training. Seems like he's on the comeback trail. We will see Ali Malay McFarlane back in action in the co-main event against Kana Watanabe. Some other interesting matchups were announced for those two cards as well. Of course, they're back next weekend, back in Dublin. So that should be a lot of fun. Yaroslav Amosov versus Logan Storley for the unified welterweight title. So that should be a very big deal. A lot going on, as always, in the MMA space. And if you haven't seen it yet, 
BTL is going to be absolute fire today, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. It is Jed Mishu versus Luke Thomas. It is going down. MMA fighting versus MK. It goes down again. Luke Thomas, I believe this will be his first appearance on any MMA fighting show uh, since he joined the Morning Combat crew. So very excited for that. So let's get into this. I am a man of my word. So since he is here and since he was waiting patiently on Tuesday, we couldn't get to him. We will begin things with my man, Viking MMA. Viking, are you there? Yeah, brother, I'm here. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm fine. Just tell me one thing. Uh, in the last phase, did you select me or not? Because, you know, my phone was not working at all. Uh, I did not. I was I was going to, and then you vanished, and then when you came back, the show was pretty much done. So I said I would I would hike you to the front oh. uh, on the next show, and here we are. So you did not take any screenshots either. No, I did. That's why you're first. Oh, thanks a lot, man. So I just want to talk about the pound for pound thing and uh, the Islam stuff, basically. So. I'm pretty glad that Khabib did not show in Australia because if he did, then we we still would have stuck in uh, in the same scenario that Islam is not a good striker at all. But now we all know that how good Islam on on stand up. So that's a very good thing that you know we all know that how islam is how islam striking is and the other thing the pound for pound thing i just want to say that i did not see volkanovski dominating islam in in that fight so basically islam is the pound for pound king right at the moment right now and that's that's a sure thing that islam is the pound for pound number one fighter in the world or you can say in the UFC. And the weight cut thing about Islam is, you know, you you represent you represent the the region where, you know, everyone is talking about how dominate how dominant this you're gonna be if you're you know if you're Dagestani fighters. So there are always a chip on your shoulder. So, if you are a champion and if you can't make weight, you get stripped from the. You get stripped. So that it's your responsibility to make weight and all the other stuff. So it was Islam's responsibility to make weight. There should, there should not be any excuses about the. Islam's weight cut and what happened in the fight after his uh, uh, harsh weight cut. So that's that. And Luke Thomas and Jed Mishu thing about the BTL. If there's a topic about the pound for pound thing, there should not, there is not going to be a war because they both are at the same side, which is Islam. So thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean... I, I figured the 
sort of the IV stuff would come up. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing because Dan Hooker threw out those accusations. We talked about it earlier this week. Volkanovsky sort of brought it up himself. And then since then, mostly yesterday, we found out that the UFC sent out some emails to the fighters and the managers about the IV use and what is okay and what isn't okay. And it was updated in 2019 and essentially it's okay as long as it's received in the course of like surgical procedures and diagnostic investigations. Uh, And it's also okay if it's received from a licensed medical professional after a doctor of some kind determines that they're medically justified, but you do need permission from the athletic commission before you get the IV and they need to disclose how much and the use of it afterwards. So apparently because of the response by the UFC, there was some smoke to this, but if Makachev checked off all of those boxes and one would assume that he did, I mean, nobody, only a couple of people really know for sure at this point, but if he did, then, then this is all for naught. And I know someone had pointed out something that Ali had tweeted about him using two milliliters or something like to that effect. It's been since deleted, but I, I don't know why he would tweet that because it just doesn't make any sense. And it causes more questions to this whole thing. Um, But it seems like everything was done by the book, but again, we don't know. We don't know. And Islam tweeted out earlier today that, something to the effect of that this person or whoever must be held accountable for these accusations. And I'm curious how you can hold somebody accountable and and what this actually means. So would love to hear what Dana has to say. Would love to hear Jeff Davitsky speak to the media about this. Maybe he'll show up on Saturday and sit down and answer questions. I'd love to know more and, and how it went through it. As far as the pound-for-pound discussion, we need to make something very, very clear. The pound-for-pound conversation is stupid. It's stupid, and it's not real. It's your opinion. And everybody's definition for pound-for-pound, some are similar, some are different. Some look at it in a different sense. Some look at it as... Uh, to, to steal something from AK, if Demetrius Johnson fought Francis Ngannou, if somehow they could either grow in size or shrink in size and somehow be the same weight, like who would be who would win in a fight? That's one way to determine it. There's other ways you could look at it as well. In the end, to me, I gave it to Makachev because they fought. They fought and Makachev won. And you could say, well, Volk won pride rules and I've I've seen this many times. Makachev won the contest, but Volkanovski won the fight. Sure. If if you want to go that route, that's fine. But to me, Makachev won. He won the fight. So to me, he's the number one guy. But the way I, I more so look at it is they it's not one two, it's one A, one B. Right now, Makachev is is a little bit ahead, Volk's a little bit behind. And if Volk fights Yair Rodriguez in the next few months or he fights before Islam and has another great performance, I I could see myself putting Volk back at number one. And if Makachev goes out and fights Dariush or somebody else and he goes out and he has a great performance, I could see them flip-flopping. Like it's 
we're making too big of a deal out of this pound for pound thing because it's based on how you view it and your own opinion. It's like the goat conversation. It's like not just in MMA, but everywhere. It's like comparing LeBron in his prime to Jordan in his prime. Like you can sit there and have your thoughts on it, but you'll never get the answer to that question. Like we, there's no time machine where we could send LeBron back to the nineties to play Jordan. And there's no revitalization formula out there for Jordan to de-age himself 25 years to go play LeBron in 2023 or back in 2009 or 2010. Like we, there is no answer. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. And there's so many different things that go into those opinions. So the fact that this pound for pound discussion has become such a divisive topic, is just so silly. It's just so silly. There's more important things in the world than a pound for pound conversation because it's stupid. It's stupid. They're both excellent fighters. They're the two best fighters in the world. If you think it's Volkanovsky, cool. I'm not going to argue with you. If you think it's Makachev, cool. I ain't going to argue with you. If you think if John Jones just comes back and kills Cyril Ghosn on March 4th, that it's John Jones because he was the guy when he left. Sure. That's your opinion. I'm not going to argue with you. It's not an art. It's not something we should be arguing about. It should be cool. That's your opinion. And that's that. But this whole thing, how we're still fighting about this is just madness. It's just madness. But if you're asking my opinion, I'm giving it to Makachev because they fought and Makachev won the fight. It's not me knocking Volk. It's just that they fought and there was a winner. And I don't think there's any controversy. It was a competitive fight. It was close. But it's not a robbery. I've watched the fight three times now. And I scored it 48-47 Makachev every single time. And if you want to give Makachev round three, I, I mean, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you, but I think 48-47 Makachev is the right score. I do. Let's go to Tristan. Tristan, what's up? How's everything? Good. Yeah, uh, before we start, shout out to uh, shout out to Luke Thomas. Glad he's going to be on BTL uh, later on. And uh, he did a technical breakdown on Yair Rodriguez's win against Josh Emmett. I thought it was incredible. I mean, I am excited to see that fight if that fight happens between Volk versus Yair, I think it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating that that fight. So pretty excited about that. Um what I wanted to talk about, um I watched Bo Nickel yesterday on the MMA hour and I just have I just have, like I think I've talked about this before, but that at, in a couple of years that guy's gonna be middleweight champion. I have no doubt. None. Like I understand he's never taken a punch. Um, I know he's making his UFC debut. We don't know how he's going to react. He hasn't. Obviously, we got to see him against some resistance or adversity. But I just feel like he's going to figure it out. I just, I'm that high on him. I mean, the transitions, the quickness, ground and pound, submissions, it's all there for him. It's all in front of him, in my opinion. I think it's, it's, it's just, He's going to be incredible, and he has this. He makes you believe it. That's that's the thing about it. Like when I'm hearing him talk to Ariel, it's just this quiet, conf- this humble confidence about him that I'm that I'm just like, 
Who's going to beat this guy? Like, nobody's going to beat this guy. Maybe, you think I'm crazy? You think I'm like, yo, you're out of your mind? And, you know, and, and that's how I feel, man. Uh, just your thoughts about it. Thanks, Mike. I mean, I'm not going to say you're out of your mind because you're not alone on this. But I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm very high on him. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do. I feel like thus far he's gotten – I think this is not just an outline statement. He's gotten very favorable matchups. He got very favorable matchups on both contender series fights. He's getting a pretty favorable matchup here for his debut. And that's what they should be doing. When you have a guy like that, you have to put him in there with a guy stylistically that you're going to shine against. And no, no disrespect to Jamie Pickett. Jamie's a tough dude. Jamie's got some experience inside that octagon, a lot more than Bo Nickel has. But if you look at it from a stylistic perspective, this is a fight that should showcase everything Bo Nickel does. But we've seen fighters in similar positions get thrown in these spots and being very confident about it, and they come up short. And that's not always a bad thing. Like we saw with Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico comes in, probably the most touted prospect at the time in the history of the sport. And he fights Zach Freeman, who had a lot of experience. And at the time, people didn't really think about the matchmaking or anything like that. And then Zach caught him in a ghillie and tapped him in the first round. And they were like, oh, he's way too experienced. Can't believe that they match made like that. Shame on you, Bellator. Um, But I agree with you. Like, I'm high on him. I'm curious. I think he has the right attitude. Uh, I liked... The candor, I liked his honesty when it comes to how people view him because I think he speaks for a lot of us. I think he speaks for a lot of us. You, you, you don't want to be the dude that everyone thinks is a jackass or that people dislike or all of that. And, and he admitted that as such. Like He said most of the responses he's gotten is positive and he doesn't want to be the dude that everybody dislikes. And, and I get that. I totally get that. And I think all of us in some way, we think about that stuff. We wonder if people like us and enjoy what we're doing and enjoy our work and enjoy our thoughts and opinions. And, you know, there are certain times where, and I talk about this on the show all the time, where I'm just like, I'm never going to look at the comments. I'm never going to look at them. And then I just get sucked in and I look at them and there'll be the occasional person who says, I can't stand Mike Heck. He's delusional or, you know, his takes are awful and all that stuff. And, it, it hits you. It hits you in a certain way, but it, a lot of, I've learned to deal with it a lot better, but I'll be honest. Like some of that stuff is just like, Oh man, like, what did I say? And you think about it. And sometimes you tend to overthink it. it looks like Bo is kind of, kind of come to terms with that. And he's got the skills. I mean, he's, he's very far along for where he, where he should be. And let's see if that translates into a UFC win in front of a big crowd and in a big spot. He's going to be on the main card of UFC 285 before John Jones makes his return. He's going to have a ton of eyeballs on him. It's going to be a lot of hype around this fight. He's dealt with hype and he's dealt with big crowds before. So I think he's probably ready for the moment, but I am excited. I feel like he will fight for the belt. I'm not ready to say that he's going to be a UFC champion. I want to see how he does. Let's see how he does with Jamie Pickett. Let's see how he does in the second fight. And let's see how the UFC builds him. Are they just gonna are they just gonna rush him up the ranks? Are they gonna 
kind of do what they did with Alex Pereira and just give him good favorable matchups that are high up, give him Pickett, then give him, you know, a top 20, 25 guy next, and then a top 10 guy after that and just get him up there as fast as possible. We'll see. But the ceiling is very high. And I'm curious to see how he's going to react to all of it in a little over two weeks' time. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, FPL. Yeah. Hi, how are you, man? So a, a couple of uh, questions. One is after this fight, Markachev and uh, Walko, and the comments uh, I've seen from Markachev yesterday is, you know, I won the pound, uh, I won the fight, and I see no justice in the rankings. And the way it sounded is he's no longer, he's not interested in a rematch. Now with Charles and Benil fighting, do we see Poirier and Markachev? in a title fight somewhere in May because March is Ramadan and after that maybe, you know, he needs four weeks' time. That That is question number one. And two is, now that Hamza is fighting Whitaker, so do we think that he's out of the middleweight category? He'll stick to the light heavyweight or would he, according to you, be interested in coming back to middleweight and fighting Leon or Usman, whoever wins? Thanks. Um, all right, so Oliveira Dariush isn't done done, I guess would be the right way to say it. Um, it seems like it's trending in that direction, but it's not done. Uh, I think it ultimately will get done, so we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, I would not honestly, I would not rule out a rematch. I would not rule out a rematch, it wouldn't be what I would do but I would not rule it out. It seems like Volkanovsky is like ready to come back. Like he wants to get back ASAP. He wants to get back May, June. And it's going to be interesting to see how they match it all up. Now, how I view it is if they go forward with Darius and Oliveira and those two just beat the hell out of each other. And let's just say July rolls around international fight week. And some of the guys that they would target for headlining that car just aren't available because they had tough fights. And Volk's ready and Islam is ready. And the UFC just throws a bunch of money both those guys' way, especially Islam, in that spot headlining International Fight Week. I think Makachev would, would look at that fight. I think he would look at it. And let's be honest, no matter what happens over the next few months, the biggest fight for Islam Makachev right now is the Volk rematch. It just is. For business purposes, for intrigue, for hype, all of that. The biggest fight he could get right now 
is the Volk fight. Dariush is interesting, and a hardcore fan like most of us, we will be interested in that fight if he if he beats Charles Oliveira. Poirier would be a big fight in terms of eyeballs and draw and and people getting into it and casual appeal, but Makachev Volk has gone from a hardcore fan's delight to having casual appeal now because I've gotten texts about it. I didn't get any texts before the fight. I've gotten a ton after them. People want to see him see them fight again. There's interest there. And I think the UFC knows that. So I wouldn't rule it out. Not what I would do. I would rather see Volk fight Yair, Islam fight Dariush or somebody else, run off a couple of defenses in their own divisions. Then we can revisit this, and it'll be just as big if both guys are successful. Um, but it seems like Volk wants to get back right away. So I think he's going to be the guy that kind of steers this train. And if three, four months, a couple months from now, Volk's like, I'm ready to go. They're going to approach Makachev with it. I can, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that whether he takes it or not is another thing, but I think there's a part of Makachev as a competitor. I think there's a piece of his soul. That's like, I could have done better. I could have done better. This fight should not have been as close as it was. I want to shut this dude up for good. So I would not rule that out. I would not rule that out. And I also, it doesn't, Whitaker Shamayev is not done. That fight's not on the books yet. Both guys have expressed interest, more so on the Shamayev side. Whitaker said he'd be down if it's offered to him. I'd love to see that fight. They could be going in that direction, but it's not done. There's no date. Fight hasn't been signed or anything like that for as far as I know. But I would say it's a pretty safe bet that if that is the fight that is made, that yeah, Shamayev is probably done at 170. But who the hell knows at this point? Shamayev is a mystery. Colby's a mystery. Who the hell knows at this point? Brian, hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Uh, just a quick question kind of uh, going back off the Islam take. Do you think uh, that he'll get some legitimacy if he's defending against actual lightweights? Um, obviously, Volk, number one, pound for pound. Amazing. But do you think he needs to kind of get that respect that Volk kind of built going through a couple contenders, um, kind of building that interest more? Do you think that even make it a bigger fight? Let's say like, you know, two years from now in the start of like 2025 or something down the line like that. Just curious on your thoughts on that. Thanks, Mike. I mean, he should be getting the, he should be getting shine anyways. He just isn't. I, I, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of baffling to me. Like I talked to Ann, I talked to John Anna yesterday, and you can watch that interview right now on the YouTube channel. I wrote about it on the site. Uh, I'm with John. I'm like right alongside John Anik. That this guy deserves his praise too. And the fact that people still, it, it, I think the the terminology he uses is perfect. People are saying that he plucked out a featherweight for his first title defense. That's just not true. That's just not true. I think Vol- I, I think Makachev deserves a ton of credit for how he performed, and I think I think he's going to be looked at. This this one kind of reminds me in, in some ways, and I think this will age better because this example aged pretty well, and it didn't age well at the start. 
this almost in some ways reminds me of the Shamaya Burns fight, where the fallout of that fight was, oh, Burns is the man. Shamayev isn't as good as we thought he was. And then as months went by, we realized, okay, maybe this is kind of what he needed. This is the kind of, we, we needed to see him tested. And I think a lot of those people who kind of dumped on Shamayev became, like, turned to realize that, okay, if you have this guy in a tough spot, he can come through on the other side. And we hadn't really seen that from Makachev. Like, he got, he got knocked out by Adriana Martins. He had a tough fight with Armand Sarukian, but it wasn't, it's not like it was a controversial win. It was a clear win. And he got to, we got to see him overcome a little bit of adversity. He struck well. And the biggest moment in this fight, which I don't think it's enough credit, was Makachev stinging Volkanovsky in the second round. That one shot that dropped Volk to a knee was the is the biggest moment in that entire fight because if that moment, at least to me, and I've watched it a few times, if that moment does not happen, Volkanovski is the lightweight champion right now because Volk would have won that second round. Without that moment, Volk is the champion. And Makachev had that big moment. I don't know how we could take so much away from this guy. I understand you want to give Volk his flowers for that performance. He deserves them. Give them to him. Give him a whole bunch. But you you can't leave Makachev's garden without any flowers. Come on. He deserves a lot of credit too. I will say this fight has whatever it does for Makachev, his next fight is going to be a little is going to be more interesting. Whether it's Darius or Poirier, although I would highly favor him against Poirier. Although Poirier's a dog, so that would be fun. But Darius is interesting in some ways because he would pose some threats that Volk did. Not all of them. And then a rematch with Volk would be massive too. So I think I think it's a little fresh in our minds. But I think if we're talking about this like three, four months from now, I think people will realize that Islam deserved better in the aftermath of all of this. And, and I hope that happens for him. I hope that happens for him in terms of the performance. Uh, let's go to brunch Davidians brunch. What's up? Brunch. You're muted. All right. No brunch. Four Corner Sports. Let's go to you. Hey, so I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, I don't know if you guys officially broke the news. I saw Marcel did. Um, Jalen Turner versus Matush Gamba. Ah, man, this is a banger of a fight, Mike. I, I know Jalen Turner was going to have his. And I know that's your favorite fight of last year. Um, and then we saw him fight against Daniel Darius. So, are we going to see what Jalen Turner really means out of this camera? And um, I want to talk to you about John Jones. You know, being like, He's growing up, you know. He wants to push the past away from uh, what's called Daniel Cormier. I was very sure to hear that. 
it was like the equivalent of when Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisping ended up taking a selfie together. I would, didn't expect that to happen. But if we are seeing a change in John Jones, I mean, what do you think it's, you know, set for him if he's having this whole new demeanor? Is it a bad thing him heading into uh, his fight against Severo uh, Gone? That now that he is starting to mature, all right, Mike. That's all I wanted to know. But thanks. I mean, look, if you follow the Twitter trajectory of John Jones over the years, uh, this is not the first time that he has done this. Uh, this is probably not the second, third, or fourth time that he has done this. So I will tend to wait on my reaction to that. But I mean, look. He's saying the right things, seems to be doing the right things. Hopefully, this is the turning point, but I don't know, man. It's been it's been a tough road trying to believe in John Jones. And when we start to believe, that's when the rug comes out from under us. And look, I, I want to believe that everybody can change and everyone can become better people, and, and maybe John can. But we'll see. I, I not sold on it yet. Not sold on it yet. Uh, and I don't think it's going to affect the fight at all. I think whatever's going to happen on March fourth was supposed to happen, and whether it's John winning or Cyril piecing him up and finishing him, I don't know. It's an interesting fight. It's an interesting fight. This the uh, Turner Gamera fight rules. This is better than the Hooker fight especially for Jalen Turner and where he can go in this division, because a lot of people are very high on Jalen Turner, rightfully so big, huge athletic 155 pounder. And I feel like the, the hooker fight was kind of a tailor-made matchup for him. If we're being honest, uh, I think hooker would be tough as hell and would be able to be a bit more durable than some of the guys that Turner has faced in the past. But I think Gamrot brings a lot of different things to the table that I kind of want answers for with Jalen Turner. I know Jalen's very good on the ground. I want to see how he reacts to a guy who is just going to offensively try to grapple him over and over and over again. Uh, and Gamrot, his striking's a little bit underrated himself. So, yeah, I love this fight. I think it's a much better matchup. Uh, no disrespect to Dan Hooker because it would be a cool fight, but this is better. This is better. This will answer more questions for me about who Jalen Turner is as a fighter in 2023 and where he can go in this division. So love this fight. Great addition. Kudos to both guys for taking it. Kudos for Gamera for stepping in. Kudos to, to Jalen Turner for taking this one because it's a tougher matchup, and I'm sure he knows it, but the risk-reward I think is a little bit higher here when it comes to rankings and all that stuff if, if he takes that into account. So love the matchup. Brunch, do we have you? Hello, Mike. You got me? Yep. What's up, man? Hey, uh, back to the IV thing on Islam. I don't know. Like, I know that's written in the rules that they can't use IVs or whatever, but I don't see why that is such a big deal. I mean, they're, they, they're doing these severe weight cuts where they get super dehydrated, and all an IV is is, you know, just like water and saline solution and a couple of vitamins. So I don't, I just, I don't get why that's such a big deal. Please discuss. I, I don't know either, man. Like on, like, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but 
I don't know. I mean, it, it is kind of a. I don't think it's a big disadvantage in this fight because it's not like Volk had to cut a million pounds to get there. But you know, there are certain times where, like, if, like if Islam is fighting Jalen Turner and Islam was able to get an IV, but Turner wasn't, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. I think everybody should be able to use them. I mean, especially if it's just like a normal IV. I know sometimes there could be things mixed in there, and that's the concern. But if it's just water and rehydration, I don't think there's a big. I don't think it should be a, a really big thing. But I also, I also think this has probably been going on since the rule was put in place, uh, and since the terminology from 2019 was as long as a medical professional is involved with all of this and have like nurses and stuff, and it's disclosed to the commission. I bet this has been going on on every single card for the last five, like four or five years. But it just didn't really become a thing until the aftermath of such a divisive fight, if that makes sense. So I'm with you. I don't understand the big deal. I think everybody should be allowed to use IVs uh, if done correctly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. But if... Now, if it's the two milliliter thing, that's different. But again, Ali deleted that tweet, and who knows if he was just misinformed or just wrote it wrong. I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. But I'm with you. The the it seems like the commissions are on board as long as you disclose it, as long as you get permission, as long as it's done correctly. I don't think Islam's the only dude. He's probably far from it. There's probably fighters that are fighting on Saturday that have done it too uh and did it and, and did it the right way uh i saw different people who were out in vegas uh who are tapped into the fight community saying that uh you know they know of nurses and they know of fighters who have nurses come to their house and administer I- ivs and done the correct way so i don't think this is like a new thing it's just because of what happened on saturday and because of all the talking and because it was put out like it's cheating it's a whole different thing. But to say that Islam is like the first dude <laughs> since 2019 to get an IV after a weight cut or in the build to a fight, I would be stunned if that was the case. I mean, there are a few things in this sport at this point that would stun me, and that would be one of them. That would be one of them. But I'm with you. They should, they should all be able to use it if done correctly. Mikey, hello. Just to piggyback off what you uh, said earlier, it's it's kind of funny how not just in fight sports, but in all sports, the fickleness of fans and how, how the goalpost is always moved based on bias, right? Like, you don't have to like Islam Makhachev to appreciate what he did. And the funny thing is, is how, how can people in the same breath say this guy never proved himself against anybody? And then fights the one, the possible competition he could face. He's considered less than. It's like, that's the entire point. I mean, we just watched the Super Bowl. And the worst Super Bowls are the, are the ones that were blowouts, where we all expect the teams to be evenly matched and someone gets destroyed by 30. I don't want that in MMA fights, at least in certain ones where it's like, you can't promote a super fight and be like, well, I hope it's one-sided. No, you want it to be competitive. You want every big fight to be competitive like that. 
nobody really i mean listen we all enjoy a quick knockout and all that stuff and it creates all these narratives but if we're just looking from a competition perspective the outcome of Volk Islam is exactly what you hoped it would be. I didn't want either of those guys to look terrible or, you know, short, no matter who you were rooting for. And I think that's, it's just, it's so frustrating because nobody wants to admit their biases about this stuff. It's like, oh, well, I hate Islam. So I'm going to, so I'm just going to say he looked bad, even if he didn't look bad. Or, well, I really like Volk. So I'm going to convince myself that he won, even if objectively speaking, he probably didn't. And that's okay. You know, and, and that gets really frustrating because it just murkies the water and everyone just gets starts yelling at each other for no reason. You know, it's true. Yet people will be on Twitter saying, well, we should just agree to disagree. It's like, you can't just say that. You have to actually agree to disagree on something concrete. You know, you can't just be like, you can't just say that just because you don't want to listen to somebody's opinion, you know? And two, as for what's next, it, just again, just to reiterate, I'm like, listen, this was supposed, I don't want to say it's a one-off, but this was their, you know, it was a super fight. Let's treat it as a super fight. Let's keep the mo divisions moving. The whole point of a super fight is that if there's no other options left, that's what they should do. Immediate rematches, please stop. Just, you know, that's all for now, guys. Be kind. Have a good day. Yeah. Look, this is not the same thing, but I'm, I, let me just throw this out there. So, and I got shit for it. And I get shit for it every time I go to New York. Because I wear a Red Sox hat. Walking around New York, on the airplane, everywhere I go, where I'm not going to be on camera, I wear a Red Sox hat around New York. And most New York fans are, like, give me shit about it. But, like, most of, most of it's joking. And I always tell them, like, I'm not your typical Red Sox fan. Like, I respect what the Yankees did. I respected those 90s teams that won all those World Series. Because I was a baseball fan, and they played, they played fundamental ball, and I respected it. And I respected Derek Jeter, and I respected everything that they did. And I didn't have to like them, but I respected the hell out of them. And did I wear my Yankee Suck t-shirts? Sure. But it's not because I thought they sucked. It's because I wanted them to lose. But in the end, you can only go so far with that argument. It's okay to like Volkanovsky and still give props to Makachev. But I also understood along this path because of my me being so naive about all of this because I thought – and if you watch the end of the watch party, like you'll hear me say like this fight is going to bring us all closer together because we're all going to just relish in the greatness of both guys and the competitiveness of this fight. And I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> and it like made me sad. But then I also understood too like – this isn't team sports, but at the same token, the sport is growing and there are certain fighters that just a lot of fans gravitate towards. And while it's not the same as the NFL and major league baseball and, and some of the major American sports and, and even globally, when it comes to football or, or soccer or whatever, uh, people just have fans and they will fight their asses off for their guys, for their teams. And they will be as stubborn as hell in order to do that. And that's something I've, that I've learned to understand a little bit more in this space. Um, the space can be kind of negative. The things that I didn't see before I got to like MMA fighting and got on a bigger platform, I'm seeing now. And it ain't pretty all the time. But, you know, I just, I, I just want moments where it's just like we could all say, look, 
I think this guy might have won, but you got to give it to both dudes. And again, maybe it's just me being naive that we will get to that point. But I, I just thought this fight would get us there. And perhaps that makes me delusional. I, I mean, it is what it is. But I just felt like the fight was great. And it's going to age well. And I wish at certain points we talk about this fight, we could just fast forward like six months to a year and then look back on it. Because I honestly think that later on this year, September, October, November, when we look back on this fight, I think we're going to look at it differently. I think we'll be less, I think we'll be less divisive. I think we'll be less torn apart. I think we'll be more like, all right, that fight was actually really good. And both guys deserved credit for what they did. And I hope we get to that point. I really do. I really do. But in, in, in as, in as far as the what's next, I'm with you, Mikey. Like I want to see Hulk fight Yair. That fight is a lot more interesting now than it was before Saturday, in my opinion, because of how good Yair Rodriguez looked. And he kind of gets lost in the shuffle here. But honestly, I, I, I agree with John Anik in our conversation. I think Volk kind of holds the cards here. I think he's the A-side in all of this. And if he wants to fight in May or June or July, if Yair's ready to go, cool. If Islam's ready to go, cool. If none of them are ready to go, they'll go somewhere else. Because Volk wants to fight, and he wants to stay active, especially after the loss. So it'll be interesting to see. But to say that, an immediate rematch is not in play here. Is It's in play. I'm telling you, it is. There's money behind this fight. And it's risky to... It's kind of risky to not just do it now and strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. But we'll see what happens. Again, for me, I like to see Islam fight Dariush. Pull him from the Oliveira fight. Like, just pull him from the Oliveira fight. Give him the title shot. Do Volk versus Yair and go from there. It's just a matter of when, who's ready and when. That's, that's what it comes down to because I don't think Volk's going to want to wait till the summer to fight unless it's like a huge spot, international fight week, and he can main event against Makachev. I think he might wait an extra month for that, but I think Volk just wants to get right back in there. So it's just a matter of who's ready, and I think he's going to have a little sway with this whole thing. What's up, Double A? Doing, mate. Good. So I've got two questions for you. Um, one is um, some. I want to hear some sleeper fight from you, whether it's um this, this week or in the coming weeks. And the second one is I'm gonna actually sort of re-ask a question that I've asked you before. So, fight fight week two eighty one. I asked you. Is there anyone who's had, like, in terms of name value, who's fought the biggest names to start their UFC career than Michael Chandler? You ca- you counted with Justin Gaethje. I agreed with you. Now that Michael Chandler has the Conor McGregor fight coming up, does that change your answer at all? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Everyone have a great day. Take care of yourselves and peace. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the answer now. Now that he's getting the Conor fight. Probably the answer now. Sleeper fight? Um, I'm just looking. There's not a ton of sleeper fights for this card coming up. I think maybe Derek Brunson 
Drickus Duplessis is a sleeper fight. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. But I'm going to go a little bit, I don't know, a little bit of a cheaper one. But I feel like, I feel like nobody's talking about it. Uh, and we're less than a month away from it happening. Piotr Jan Marabdowalishvili is coming out March 11th. Nobody's talking about that fight. Nobody is. More, far more people are talking about Marlon Vera versus Corey Sanhagen, uh, which got pushed back to two weeks after Jan Marabdowalishvili is going to happen. But yeah, I would go with that one. Like nobody's talking about that fight. So yeah. Off the top of my head, cheap answer. That's what I'm going with. Uh, we'll take a few more. I got like maybe 15 more minutes. Abzualia, hello. Hi, man. How are you doing? Hi, uh, hi Mark. Uh, so uh, I have two questions. The first one is, is there any news on Hamza Chimarev? Any opponent he's going to fight? And my second question is, uh, what's next for Song Yodong? Thanks, man. Uh, no news. On Hamza Chimaev. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. Saw the call out with uh, Whitaker. Whitaker seems into it. But I would assume it's between Whitaker and Covington. But again, Chimaev and Colby are probably the two biggest mysteries in the sport. And Song Yudong is booked April 22nd against Ricky Simone. So that should be a fun-ass fight. So there you go. I was able to give you something. But Shemayev, it just nothing. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Terrence, hello. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Um, just real quick. I just wanted to like kind of break up everything. Just uh, ask you a question. I just randomly thought of it last night. I remember um, when you broke up to your brother's friends and like you did the GoFundMe thing. I just wanted to see um, how they're doing. And then as well as like how you and as well as your family are doing. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you was how, oh, excuse me, do you know if you will be in Miami um, for fight week or have those been assigned yet just looking forward i'll be there and i look forward to like meeting you one day so that's pretty much it thank you thanks man um my brother's uh friends they seem to be doing a lot better um they were healing up well the gofundmes went really well uh a lot of rehab uh a lot of recovery which i believe is still ongoing um 
but I will let my brother know to, to pass along the well wishes. Uh, my family, we're doing well. It's, uh, yeah, we're all just working our asses off. My wife is, is a working machine, uh, as am I. My kid's just being a nine-year-old, and I think he's embracing that a lot more, which is nice. Uh, kids just rocking the piano these days. Uh, we've been going out rollerblading almost every day. He's getting better. It's like little Charlie Conway out there from Mighty Ducks fame. Uh, so yeah, we're doing, we're doing really well. Parents are doing well. Brothers are doing well. Family's all doing well. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It's nice to, nice to break that stuff up. Uh, Zeke, hello. My man, Mike, how are we? Good. Uh, I'm going to be shorter and sweeter than usual. Uh, I'm just going to say a name and I know it's a name that haunts you in this room a lot. Any questions, updates, or ideas on this man? And then lastly, is there any truth to Matute's Gamrot filling in for Dan Hooker in the Jalen Turner fight on that John Jones card? So that's my first question, the Matute's Gamrot rumor. And second, any news, anything newsworthy on Mr. Kobe Covington? Thank you, my man. Have a heck of a morning. I thought you were going to talk. I thought you were talking about Henry Cejudo. Uh, that's right. I thought you were going with this. Uh, if you are, then uh, it looks like they're eyeing May 6th for him and Sterling, but it's not 100% done yet. Uh, Colby, no idea. And Gamrot, yes, that is happening. He's fighting Jalen Turner. Again, the golden rule. If it's on MMAfighting.com, it's happening. If it's not, then it's not done. But that fight is happening March 4th, and it rules. Uh, YVMZ, hello. Hi, uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, just had a quick question for you. Um, any thoughts on uh, DC commentating on jo- the John Jones fight? Do you think he's going to be biased towards him? And uh, number two, um, any thoughts on Sean Strickland uh, poking at him yesterday? Thank you so much. The Strickland thing doesn't surprise me. That's just kind of his thing, and God bless him. <laughs> there's not much more i could say uh, yeah he's just he is who he is and the dc thing i no i, I think he'll be fine look th- those two are going to be attached forever for good or for bad it's one of the all arguably the greatest rivalry in ufc history those two have been up and down the road for sure but i think d I have to remember because that fight, like, it's not one I want to rush to go back and watch when John Jones fought OSP because uh, that fight was not good. But I believe DC was commentating and I think he did a pretty good job. And th- that's when, like, they were in the thick of it. So, yeah, I think, I think it'll be all right. Do I think DC is going to sort of extend the olive branch back to John Jones and they're going to become buddies and he'll be on DC and RC? No, probably not. But, no, I, I'm not. I'm not too concerned. I think he'll be fine. DC's a professional. Uh, whether you like his commentary or not, whether you feel like he's biased or unbiased in certain points, I think he's going to be fine. Will he joke at all about the rivalry? Sure. But I, I think when he, if he calls the fight, I, I think he'll put all that aside. Honestly. So yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, I got four in line, and th- these are going to be the four before we go. So it'll be Emilio, then Blaze, then Anwar, and then Lone Wolf. Emilio, go ahead. 
Emilio, are you there? Okay. Uh, Blaze, let's go to you. All right, hi, Mike. Uh, just kind of going back to the IV thing. Not even like specifically Makachev or anybody, but just in my head, I guess when I think of dehydration and weight cut, that's a big part of fighting and getting ready for your fight. And if you got a bad weight cut and you're super dehydrated, and then the fight week, (laughs) week before your fight, you're able to take this IV bag of 100 milliliters or whatever it was that the official was. I can't remember the official number, but it's just kind of kind of crazy to me to think that you can just refuel yourself. I don't know. I'd like your opinion on it. I'm not a fighter. Thanks. I mean, again, um, if the rules say you can do it, then you can do it. And again, I don't know the numbers. I, I don't know how much he took. Like I know Ali tweeted what he tweeted and that's caused a stir, but um, who knows what he was thinking at the time. So I don't know, but if it's in the rules and it's done by the guidelines and the commission was aware he was going to get an IV and then the commission got the numbers and it was done by a professional, then he didn't do anything wrong. It's in the rules. Um, and like I said earlier, I, Islam is probably nowhere near the first who has done it over the last four years and um, probably ain't going to be the last. I bet it's been happening on every card because, again, it's in the rules. If you do it the way the rules state, then it's okay. Now, if you're sneaking off doing them and you don't tell anybody about it, that's a different story. But even if he got an IV, it, 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 Makachev still looked a little, a little. I don't know, he didn't look the same. Um, I'm going to do something I haven't really done here. But I'm going to say it. I told you, new year, new me. Um, I don't listen to weighing in all that often. Um, but Josh Thompson was talking about how... Makachev looked kind of like walking into the arena and walking to the octagon. And he immediately felt like something was a little bit off with Islam. Um, maybe it's a weight cut thing. Maybe he overtrained things like that. And he's kind of referred back to the Oliveira fight, like go back to the Charles Oliveira fight and look how much like looser and relaxed and less flat that he looked. And I went back and I was like, I don't, he ain't lying. Like, he's not lying. It's pretty clear that he's not the same. So I don't know like how much the IV helped him, if it really helped him at all. But again, it's in these are the rules. And if the rules say you could do it in a certain way, and you do it in that certain way, then you're good. I think it's a stupid rule to begin with, if we're being honest. Lone Wolf, hello. Yes. Uh, so first, I want to talk about this uh, this Ivy thing that uh, that Islam is being accused of. I I think uh, as per as per rules, I think you can uh, you can have it like uh, 100 milliliter of, of some something like this. And uh, Ali tweeted something like two liters, 
and it was something very very big like he he's saying like as it as it is some kind of petrol uh what he is tweeted and he deleted but i think it is not a big deal and uh, also you uh, you saw the also uh test the fighter before and after the fight and and if they found uh, some substance in islam like illegal they would have stripped him right and also i want to ask some question like should benil fight charles uh, to get title shot or he should direct get the title shot in july like uh, benil uh, benil said in some interview like he should get the title shot in july uh, somewhere sometime in the in this year and i think he deserved this more than anyone like this guy is on eight win streak and no one's more no one's uh, deserve more than him at this at, at this position at this time he he deserves more than anyone uh, what do you think about it should he get or should he fight uh, charles before the title shot what do you think about it thanks man um look i've said many times before um they should just pull Darius from this idea and just go that route but again i don't know what the ufc matchmakers are thinking right now I honestly believe they are taking a gander at possibly running this one back with Volkanovski because it is a huge fight. Like, it is a massive fight if they run this back again. It's the biggest fight for both guys right now. 100%. The biggest fight for both guys. But if I'm the matchmaker, we do Volk Yair, we do Islam Dariush, and then we go from there. But Darius is kind of uh, not really confident that he's going to get this shot. So at worst, he gets Charles Oliveira. And if he beats Charles, I mean, there's no more denying him. He gets, he's next. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I think everything is in play. But I do think Volkanovski is going to be the one in the driver's seat. I think he's going to be the one that's going to sway this one way or the other. Because he wants to go. He wants to go. And I don't know how quickly Yair wants to bounce back. I don't know how quickly Islam wants to bounce, to bounce back. And we don't even know if Darius Oliveira is happening yet. Seems like things are heading in the right direction, but I don't think Penn's gone to paper. And the UFC certainly hasn't announced it yet, so I don't know. Developing story for sure. Edward, hello. Edward. You're muted. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. You can hear me. Sorry. Oh, good. What's up? Yep, um, I got you. I have a question. Uh, sorry to bother you, but uh, what do you think about... I'm going back to the IV. Um, he's, you say that he doesn't do anything wrong, like Islam didn't do anything wrong, but um, isn't like not telling the public or not admitting to the public that you didn't take an IV bag kind of like a little bit diminishing your like uh, reliability? I mean, he, it's not up to Islam to tell us that he took an IV. Like, who gives a shit? Who cares? Doesn't affect us in any way. As long as he now, if, if he told the commission that he was going to get an IV and that 
a doctor said he should get one. And the commission said, cool, go get it. And then he got one for the correct amount and then told the commission, hey, I got one for the correct amount. That he didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't have to go to the press conference and be like, hey, by the way, it was a great fight. But before I talk about the fight, I did get an IV before. No, he doesn't have to tell us shit. He just has to let the commission, the doctor has to say you could take it or you should take it. And then Islam has to let the commission know that he's going to take it. And then he has to get it from a professional that the commission is aware of. And then he gets it and he has to let them know that he got it. And if he does that, he's good. At least according to the rules, I got a copy of the email. So I'm, re- I, I'm reading it right now. And, if you, and I'm not going to read this whole thing. But you could also go to Jeff Davitsky's Twitter account. He has a, a thread about the whole thing. But if you get it from a licensed medical professional after a licensed physician determines that they are medically justified, they can get IVs of less than a total of 100 milliliters per 12-hour period, and they have to obtain permission from the commission before receiving the IV, and then he has to disclose the use of the IV to the commission after its use. It's permitted under the rules, but if it's administered by a licensed medical professional after a licensed physician determines they are medically justified, the required disclosure of such use to an athletic commission could jeopardize licensing of the fight by the commission. Most athletic commissions and their medical staffs will further make a determination if a fighter is medically cleared to compete after IV use. Athletic commission IV rules vary from commission to commission, which is why disclosure of intended and completed IV use to athletic commissions surrounding a fight is required. So those are the rules. And if he followed the rules, he didn't do anything wrong. But he doesn't have to disclose it to the public. He doesn't have to go on Twitter and be like, I use an IV or tell the media that. No. He just needs to tell the commission that. So, no. If if this is what he did, and this is how he did it, and all those boxes are checked, then he didn't do anything wrong. All right, we'll take a couple more. Eyeball, hello. Hello. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, let's go to K. K, do we have you? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, so I was just kind of checking this out for the first time this morning. Um, the LD posts, I guess, never deleted. And people were posting in response to that some quote from what purports to be like, a, I think, the, the athletic commission in question where they fought saying, um, basically, you know, sending out some sort of prohibition on use of IVs. I can't access the website myself to see if it's legit or not. I was wondering if you looked at that, if you have any thoughts on it. And, and to go to the, the earlier caller's point about, you know, credibility or kind of coming clean to the public, um, I think what they're talking about is, like, how quickly the narrative has changed here from just denying and then, you know, the point, the first point where, I don't know if it was Eugene or somebody else kind of talking about, like, uh, you know, more more details, how quickly the narrative shift to being like, oh, this is actually okay and whatnot. So anyways, thanks for your time. Hey, good morning. I, I agree with that. Um, but again, like I was saying, this is, I can assure you, this is far from the first time that somebody used an IV in this type of situation. It's probably been going on since the rule was in place in 2019. It's probably happened on every fight card, some multiple times. It happens. There's rules. 
If you follow the rules, you're good. Uh, but yeah, the narrative did, sh- and and it's kind of, I don't necessarily praise this all all the time, but this was a big question, right? This was a big talking point once Dan Hooker threw that threw that tweet out, and the UFC had to respond to it. They had to respond, and they responded with. Here's the rules. And a lot of people didn't even know what the rules were. I'll admit, I didn't know what they were. I didn't know the actual verbiage behind them. So I'm kind of glad in a way that they did. So I could see it for myself, because I didn't know. I didn't know. I haven't read the actual commission guidelines for Australia, uh, but that's something I will do today. I can promise you. All right, Emilio, rapid fire, because I got to go. Mike. Yo. Yes. Ah, you did it. Um, oh, can you hear me? <laughs> yep, I got you. Okay, great, great, great. great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep it short. Uh, first, going way back to the beginning of the pod um, regarding uh, Tristan's comments about Bo Nickel. Here's the thing. I personally think that there is one condition for Bo Nickel actually becoming a UFC champion. And that is if, or actually not if, when, how long is Hamzad going to be at middleweight? Because sooner or later, the guy's going up. And I don't know about you, obviously Hamzad being a more UFC-proven talent I mean, the guy's got everything. The guy's athletic AF, and I don't know. I, I think that as long as that guy is in the middleweight division, he will be champion, and I don't see Bo, even with his amazing, mind-blowing NCAA career as a wrestler, I don't see I don't see him, you know, even in his young career, I don't see him, even at his prime, uh, you know, even doing anything to Hamzad, but that's just my take. Um, as for what do I want to say? As for God, man, I'm always thinking about a thousand things to say, but then when it comes <laughs> when it comes time to talk, I have no idea uh, anymore. But I guess I wanted to get your take. Yeah, I wanted to get your take on uh, John Jones. Um, why do you think there's such a huge? Why I mean. Why do you think he's considered a mainstream star? I mean, the guy's been out of the limelight. Well, at least the UFC octagon limelight for three plus years. Uh, I mean, I guess he's only been in the limelight and, you know, headshots for getting arrested and stuff. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Call me a hater. I mean, I guess I am a hater, but I just don't really see the appeal. Uh, I don't think he's that charismatic. Uh, what do you think he? What do you think is so appealing about him? Because I mean, his prime it's it's long gone. I mean, for all we know, he's going to go in there and blow the doors off uh, Cyril. But I really don't see that happening. Uh, there's too many variables. But I wanted to get your take on what is what do you think is the mainstream appeal for for John, and why is he mentioned in the same 
breath as Connor and um, whatnot, or 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 maybe this is me interpreting it the wrong way, and, and he's not. But yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks again. Uh, have a heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks, man. I, I don't think he's in the same star conversation as Connor, uh, and I don't think he never. I, I don't think he ever has been, if we're being honest. And. John's a very popular and polarizing guy, but he's never, he's not like, he's nowhere near Connor star power, nowhere near Ronda Rousey star power. Uh, there's others too. He's not quite there. Um, he could, probably could have been, but he's been his own worst enemy. The thing about John is that in a lot of people's eyes, he's the greatest fighter ever. He's the greatest to ever compete inside the octagon. And if you take out the PDs and you take out all the other stuff, uh, if, you don't, if you don't use that in the equation at all, then it is John. It's John. 100%. And it's almost like in some tokens, like when Mike Tyson came back to box or when... Tiger Woods came back to golf after some of the shit he was in. And they're not the same things, but they're all different things. But at the same token, as Eric Bischoff likes to say, controversy creates cash. And John Jones has created a lot of it. Uh, and on top of that, he's arguably the greatest to ever do it. And there's a ton of questions about this guy. There's a ton of questions about him as a fighter. He hasn't fought... By the time he gets into that cage, it'll be 37 months from his last fight. And a lot of people felt like he lost that fight to Dominic Reyes. A lot of people felt like he lost to Tiago Santos, who had no legs. And while he beat Anthony Smith convincingly, it wasn't a great performance. And he hasn't really had a great performance in a long time. Maybe the, the, the second Gustafson fight, maybe? And we're all wondering why. Is he done? Is he not washed, but is he just far past his prime? Was it a, I'm just bored at 205 thing and I didn't get the challenge? I don't know. And now he's fighting an absolute killer in Cyril Gaon, who, I, I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And he's only going to get better too, which is the scary thing about Cyril Gaon. Incredible striker. One of the best athletes in the division, if not the best athlete in the division. If he has a kickboxing match with John Jones, he's going to beat the hell out of John Jones March 4th. John Jones cannot take this man down. It's going to be a tough night for him. Unless he just has spent the last three months becoming freaking Alex Pereira as a, as a, as a space kickboxer. It's going to be a tough night for him. But if he could take... If he can get Cyril down, like if John Jones spent the last three years learning how to wrestle, and I'm not talking about, because John could always get takedowns, but not like your typical shot-for-shot shot takedowns. Like he ain't chain wrestling like Colby or anything like that. He's not going to shoot for takedowns in space. Usually his takedowns come against the fence or in clinch positions with trips, using momentum. But if John, can, if, if John has somehow learned how to create, how to close distance and shoot shots and grab singles and doubles and traditionally wrestle, and he's quick, 
in that role at heavyweight and he can take get shot takedowns like legit wrestling takedowns against Cyril Gon. Boy, is that fight in his favor. Because the way John typically gets takedowns are, like I said, are in the clinch, and Cyril Gon is a murderer in the clinch. So it's it's fascinating. But he's not he's not Connor, but he's he's the best fighter of all time in most people's eyes. So there's interest, there's intrigue, and boy, does that man have a lot of pressure on him. He's got a lot of pressure on him to perform on March 4th. Because if he gets goes out there and gets the doors blown off him by Cyril Gaon, boy, it's going to be a tough spot for him. So there you go. All right, I got to go. Uh, big day. A lot of talking. I get interviews later on. But, of course, about an hour and 15 minutes time, 12.30 Eastern, BTL, live, MMA Fighting YouTube channel, Jed Mishu versus Luke Thomas. Just not doesn't get any better than that, folks. We try to bring you the goods, and I think we brought you the goods this week. So thank you very much. We're back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do the damn thing again. Get you ready for UFC Vegas 69. And that is that. So have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.